RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. friends it's tuesday night disco's second mission has ended it's mission log live and i'm john champion and i'm ken ray tuesday night at 7 p.m pacific 10 p.m eastern that is when we get together to talk trek and trek related topics this week it is the final episode of star trek discovery second season such sweet sorrow part two That's right. Season two of Discovery is in the past. While the USS Discovery has slipped into the future, we're planning to wrap the entire season next week. This week, we're talking specifically Such Sweet Sorrow Part 2. Although I'll be curious to see whether we stick to that, because right before the show started, um, well, no, not right before, like five minutes before the show started, I said, John, so are we just talking about this one episode or are we talking about the whole season? And then the next four and a half minutes were spent talking about the whole season. So... (laughs) We'll see how tonight goes. In the meantime, when I say we are having this discussion, I, of course, mean John and me and you. In fact, I would say you're the biggest part of it. So what did you like? What did you not like? Did this last episode make or break anything for you as far as season two is concerned? Share your thoughts, please. You can join our Zoom meeting. You can use the one tap from your smartphone or you can pick up the phone and call 669-900-6833. 669-900-6833. And um, gosh, we'd just love to have you aboard. Yeah. And when you say you, I'm going to talk to some of you right now and see who's in the chat. Uh, there's Michael. There's Narda. Uh, let's see. There's Chuck. Hey, Chuck. Uh, there's John. There's Alan. There's Barbara. There's Chris. There's David. Uh, and let's see. Oh, wait, who is it that said? Uh, oh, there's Joshua saying hello, Ken, John, Earl and computer. I got the whole gang right there. Action figures coming soon. You got Matthew. You got Barry. There he is. Hey, Barry. Uh, you got Michael. You got Keith. You got all these fine people checking in saying hello. I hope that you call in and join us or use the, uh, the Zoom link so we can see you and chat with you in real time. And there's Bill, top fan, right at the top of the show saying, going out on a limb here, but I'm guessing you guys didn't like it. Hold on, Bill. Hold on, Bill. We all get to chime in here and tell you what we thought a little later. Uh, we may surprise you. Who knows? Uh, and then, uh, let's see, you got Vicky. You got Stephen. Hey, happy belated birthday to our friend Stephen Sheridan. And uh, Christine, just so many people saying hello. Great to see you. And I hope you will call in. So Really quickly, I, I'm sorry, I have to interrupt you. You yeah. can't say happy birthday to Stephen Sheridan without saying happy birthday to Allison. Because, I, man, right. they will land on you. It, it's the same birthday. and that, It's that's, weird. I know. Yeah. I always I have to double check. You know, like, wait, is yeah. that right? Did I, is there a, an accounting error here that I'm not aware of? Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I feel I feel kind of strange saying it's weird, except I think I've told them both before. And if I haven't, well, <laughs> sorry, guys. But anyway, yeah, belated happy birthday to both of you. And uh, yeah. yeah, I, I interrupted, John. I apologize. Uh, Allison's not in the chat, though. So, so uh Happy birthday. Yeah. Unhappy birthday to her then. Forget it. (laughs) So thank you all for joining us here live on Facebook, or if you catch the video later on youtube.com slash Roddenberry prod, of course, we'd love for you to join us there too. And certainly the audio only podcast, you can pick that up. Well, wherever you get podcasts, we welcome you there as well. Wherever you find us, please hit like, please hit share and let the world know that we'd like everyone to join us here on Tuesdays to talk Trek Ken, what's coming up? This is the end of Discovery Season 2. 
was coming yeah. up. Uh, well, the next thing, of course, is next week we'll be re- recapping all of season two of Discovery. That's about the only thing I can think of that's on the calendar immediately. Of course, we do have that uh, that white room thing that we had talked about for Sansar, but we haven't quite put a date on that yet. So uh, there's that thing. I'm curious. Do you plan to watch? Um, are you going to watch all of all of Discovery again? Getting ready for the recap next week, or are you going to like skim, or do you feel like the clip episode at the end actually told you everything you needed to remember? Right. Uh, I might go back and revisit some favorites. I, I'd really like to watch New Eden again. That was such yeah. a stand out. Um, I'll probably I'll probably not watch the final two again because I've now seen those back to back a couple of times and then just got to see it on the big screen the other night uh, at Impro studio where we do our uh, screenings. And that was cool. That was a good experience to see those two together. Um, mm. So I, I might just pick and choose, but what I really want to do then is before the next season do a, a marathon. Sure. Well, just like we did this season. Yeah. Except we didn't. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Hey, really quickly. I do have one other thing that people can check out. Um, Mary Chifo was actually a guest on women at warp. A Roddenberry hey. Star Trek podcast. Yeah. So if you go to podcast.roddenberry.com, uh, Mary the Chief, uh, uh, Chancellor Laurel, you know, uh, from House. <clears throat> I can't remember. But anyway, uh, she was actually a guest on Women at Warp. It's a full hour, as I understand it. I have not had a chance to listen to it yet. But uh, but if you want to check that out and, you know, keep the discovery, uh, keep the discovery flying for you. Uh, podcasts.roddenberry.com will give you access to all of the Roddenberry podcast network shows, or you can go to women at warp.com or just, you know, wherever you get, uh, wherever you get podcasts. Hey, by the way, uh, somebody asked me about the pin that I'm wearing as you did before we signed on Ken. And, uh, and then somebody else said, uh, Barry says to Chris, it's Illuminati. Don't ask. Well, no, I, I hate to, uh, hate to burst your bubble there. This is actually an idic. But not just an idic, it is a classic 1970s Lincoln Enterprise that says, peace in our galaxy. And I love that pen. Somebody at the table a couple of years ago at Vegas said, this is the pen that you need. And they were right. They're right. Can't argue with that. So uh, one last bit of business here before we get to our poll and our recap. Uh, still really want to remind everybody, go to our Twitter page, go to our Facebook page if you're not there right now. And look for the item that is pinned at the top. That is our fundraiser for Scott Palm. Scott is a Star Trek fan. He is a friend of the show. He is a friend of ours. Scott is an advocate for people with disabilities. And he has been working very close in hand with Chase Masterson's Pop Culture Hero Coalition. Now, what they do is they have the mission to try to end childhood bullying, a noble mission if there ever was one. And Scott, in particular, focuses on kids with disabilities, not only helping them to learn values uh, of self-worth, but also their peers to learn values of inclusion. This is a very Star Trek, and yes, going back to the pen, a very idic message for kids to learn. Now, the more money we raise, the more of his program Scott can implement in schools, and the best news is that every dollar that we raise will be matched by the Roddenberry Foundation 100%. So we have a pretty lofty goal, but remember the Roddenberry Foundation will match that, and this will get Scott and his assistant out in schools to reach kids with disabilities to learn these valuable lessons. So once again, facebook.com slash missionlogpod, twitter.com slash missionlogpod. Those will be the items that are pinned at the top. Give a dollar because a dollar becomes $2. 
give five bucks, that becomes 10 bucks. Thank you to the generosity of the Robert Foundation. And thank you for checking out our fundraiser. Hey, Ken, let's go to the poll. Why don't we, John? Last week, the question was Mecca like a high. Your two options, Halika Po or Mecca Jambiho. And uh, yeah, people kept up with the Star Trek theme. Again, though, I wonder if they were just thinking they're trying to figure out which one's white, right, which one's wrong. Yeah. Uh, Poe po got 63%. Jambi got 37%. Poe's smart, I'll grant you, but Jambi can grant wishes. Yes. I'm yeah, just saying true. my vote would have been because, you know, that goes back to when I was 12, I think. Yeah. Hey, uh, what's the uh, poll question for this week, John? Uh, this week kind of goes back to a question that Michael Burnham asked early in the series on Talos Forum and she met Spock. Do you think the beard's working? So we asked you after the course of the season, do you think the beard was working? Well, a vote for Hisuit Spock, 48%. A vote for freshly shorn Spock, 52%. Or I feel like I should say that like uh, Dr. Evil, freshly shorn. <laughs> so, yes. I'm curious what your thoughts are. You know, I, I thought he looked good both ways, but I, I actually, I kind of got used to the bearded Spock. I don't yeah. know why. It's because it gave this Spock his own very unique identity. But I, we also know that they were leading up to the freshly shorn Spock. Like they had to land there at some point, you know? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I think uh, maybe just go a little bit less severe with the haircut probably would have done it for me because, no, like, maybe, they, because yeah. it's the whole mise-en-scene, right? Yeah, yeah. Although I will say, um, I talked last week about how I got chills when Pike stepped onto the bridge. Mm-hmm. When Spock walked over to the science station, eh, oh. a little tingly. Yeah, oh, I know. Yeah, but, he had the little, he had the little thing that he, he had, where, yeah. Yeah, well, the thing that you look into, and then of course, just the the big um, round thing <laughs> right in <laughs> front of it that makes yeah. no sense. The lenticular, basically, for all intents and purposes. Right. Except, but this one was like a hundred thousand dollars because it probably had like a actual computer graphics where a lenticular might have done. Hey, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we just jumped straight to the end and we skipped the recap. So why don't I be quiet and why don't you recap such sweet sorrow? Part two. All right, everyone, strap in for a big, ferocious battle. You got the Discovery and the Enterprise on one side with a bunch of modified shuttles and pods. On the other side, about 30 Section 31 ships under the command of Control inhabiting Leland's human carcass. Oh, and surprise, he brought a couple hundred of his own nasty little drones, too. Michael Burnham and all her super smart friends are madly dashing to complete a replicated time suit so she can fly into the future with Disco trailing her, keeping that valuable AI data out of the hands of control. It's going to get ugly. There's a lot of fighting, a lot of things blowing up real good, shields losing power because that's what they do, and Burnham and her crew are running out of time. Clearly, Leland wants to take Discovery, and Empress Georgiou says to Saru he should invite him on board. Maybe they can take him. The Enterprise attempts to play defense, getting in the way of Disco and all those drones which are trying to take out her shields. The firefight is relentless, even as Burnham and her crew race to the shuttle bay with a nearly complete suit. Along the way, an explosion rocks the ship badly, wounding Stamets, It'll just be Spock and Burnham taking the final steps to assemble the suit. When she's ready, Spock says he'll pilot a shuttle alongside her to make sure she's safe. Three, two, 
One shields drop for a second out into space and in the middle of the battle, Burnham in her suit and Spock in a shuttle and a bunch of other small craft alongside to provide protection. But you know what happened when the shields were dropped, right? Leland beamed on board Disco and he's shooting everything on sight on the bridge until he locks himself in the ready room. Georgiou and Han do what they can to break in. With Burnham now at a safe distance, she starts the calculations for time travel just as she sees a photon torpedo get itself lodged into the Enterprise's hull. It's exactly what she saw when she touched the time crystal. What's more, she can't set a coordinate in the future to drag Disco away. Nothing's working. Back on Disco, things are bad, too. Shields are below 10%. Life support is failing. But it looks like Giorgio and Nan are making some headway to confront Leland. Truly, the good guys are getting their butts handed to them. Until a massive energy signature precipitates the emergence of a huge Klingon cleave ship. That's followed by the Kelpian fleet. Yeah, that's a thing now. Piloting Baul fighters. All our friends are here, thanks to Ash Tyler, to help even the score. But wait, why are they here? Spock knows. He tells Burnham that she can't go into the future yet because she's in the one in the time suit now. She is the one, rather, in the time suit now who has to go into the past to set the signals. The asteroid where they found the Hiawatha, Terralesium, Kaminar, Boreth, Zahia, before you can say shades of gray, Burnham sets a course to relive a few moments of the past, seeing the places Disco visited across season two. What was happening during all that? Well, on the Enterprise, number one and Admiral Cornwell have a ticking bomb on their hands. That photon torpedo has a secondary timer, which has kicked in, and they don't have a good way of disarming it or sealing off the blast doors before it blows up most of the primary hull. On Discovery, Georgiou and Nan confront Leland. He wants his data the way Frank Booth wants his bourbon. They're leading him on, though, through one doorway, down a corridor. The fight gets more fierce as they go on, and the artificial gravity is on the fritz, which doesn't help. Eventually, though, Leland gets the upper hand over Giorgio in a strategic spot. He figures they're protecting the AI data along with the spore drive right there in engineering, right there in the spore chamber. Giorgio relents, just as she cracks him in the solar plexus, locking him in the chamber. Hey, uh, what's happening on the Enterprise? Glad you asked. Nothing anybody has done has solved the problem with the photon torpedo. It's going to blow. So Pike orders number one back to the bridge. Down below, he finds Admiral Cornwell, who says the situation is hopeless. The only thing left is for her to manually lower the one stuck blast door. Pike says he should, but no, that's not his future. She knows that. He knows that. She does the deed and goes out in a photonic blaze of glory, along with a big section of the forward part of the Enterprise's hull. Burnham prepares to open up the wormhole to the future, leading the way with a red signal to guide Discovery. She's ready. Spock should be heading back, Dis- <laughs> Spock should be heading back to Disco in his shuttle, but he can't because it got hit with random fire. He's dead in the water and will have to wait to be picked up later. Discovery has to get through to the other side. And now it's time for a tearful farewell between brother and sister. She promises, though, one more signal, one red final light someday 
just to show them that they made it. Disco is about to get underway. One last detail is Tilly making sure the shields are back online enough to sustain the trip. She's good like that, can do it blindfolded. Actually, she has to do it with her eyes closed, since the only way she learned to do that was for a drinking game. Down in engineering, Leland is about to have a very bad day as the magnetic power of the spore chamber rips apart the nanoparticles that fill his body. This wipes out control, Disco escapes to the other side, and what next? Well, in the future, you can't escape red tape. A Starfleet official grills Pike, Spock, Number One, and Ash Tyler. They're all on the same page about what happened. Discovery must have just exploded somehow in the battle. All hands. That's all they know. Wink, wink. Ash Tyler is promoted to acting head of Section 31. Spock recommends that since Discovery used spore drive technology and a time crystal, that's the kind of thing that under Starfleet's code should never be spoken of again. Wink, wink. A few months later, the Enterprise is back together. Spock is on board trying to get back into the swing of his job. He swaps his clothes for a science blue uniform, swaps the beard for something a little smoother, and heads up to the bridge. More than 120 days later, there's the seventh red signal in the beta quadrant, more than 50,000 light years away. Pike, in his big chair, gives the command. The Enterprise leaves for its next mission. Hit it. The end. 669-900-6833 is the phone number to call. 669-900-6833 or use the one top from your smartphone. Or if you're on our Facebook page, click the thing right there and that'll get you straight through to uh, Earl, who will get you straight through to us. Uh, well done on the recap, sir. There was a whole bunch of stuff going on there. You know, it, it was deceptively a lot of stuff. So I really tried to plow through it uh, because watching it just go, oh, this is full of action. This is a bunch of action stuff. This is a bunch of shooty, pew, pew, bang, bang. And there's a lot of that. I would say for me, even a little too much of that. Uh, but there's a lot uh, of stuff happening too. a lot of plot. Too much of that, you say. Yeah, for me. For and I'm me. not I'm not being I'm not being sarcastic with that. Honestly, this is one of the first space battles that we've had um in a while, I guess, on Discovery, honestly. But I liked the fact that something bad was happening and we actually had Pike say put us between them on this and there and all that stuff because mm -hmm. I, I felt like, okay, he's telling me why we're doing this. Now, I do have a hard time believing that the Enterprise can carry that many pods and shuttles. Like yeah, there was, there was yeah. Like way too much coming out of the Enterprise at one point that I was like, I, I don't I don't see how exactly. Um, Ooh, and, and if you want to make it more complicated. So remember, yeah. in Pike's day, the Enterprise had a smaller crew complement than in Kirk's day. In Kirk's day, 400 plus and Pike's day, it's like 200 and something like right around yeah. there. I can't remember the exact number. Uh, but if you've got 200 pods and shuttles out there. Uh, you got like six people <laughs> running the enterprise. They're all right. on the bridge. Yeah, that's true. And one guy down in botany going, yeah, I really should have taken my flying lessons. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, next time, assuming we get through this, then that'll be fine. But uh, yeah. yeah. Um, do we have callers lined up? I'm sorry. We got a lot of callers standing by. So let's, uh, without further ado, let's go straight over to JD and uh, hear what JD has to say. How are you doing tonight, JD? Hello, I'm good. How are you? Doing all right. Doing all Doing right. Well, what's on your mind tonight? Well, <clears throat> we have to wait, what, at least a year for the next season? I'm not looking <laughs> forward to that. 
Maybe nearly that long, but you might have more Star Trek in the middle. Well, that's true. Um, the, uh, <clears throat> I don't know. It, it's going to be odd because one thing I was expecting at the end of this was now, obviously they're what? 950 years in the future or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I love the way they ended it on the enterprise and we finally get to see Spock shaved and, you know, the enterprise is repaired and we get to see him <clears throat> heading off into the, <clears throat> what, the second five year mission, I guess. Um, I think that's where it was in the timeline, but I was very surprised that there was not a stinger at the very end that showed the discovery at least popping through the wormhole into the future or something that was odd almost like almost making me think well maybe the people making the show haven't quite figured that out yet so they'll just pick up with that in the next season so that's kind of what i like about this cliffhanger because we we did get the stinger and the effect that that red signal the seventh signal true True. Was the indication to say, "Hey, we're all right. We we made it." Now, you think about other Star Trek cliffhangers, uh, particularly the most famous one, "Best of Both Worlds," and fire. It, yeah, yeah. Uh, Picard is Locutus, and it's Riker saying "fire," and oh, you got to wait three months, and you don't know what's going to happen, right? Right. This this was a very different kind of cliffhanger. It left me wanting to know what are they up to nine hundred and thirty years in the future. What What is their life going to be like? But it also made me want to know what is next for Pike. It was a very positive kind of cliffhanger. Oh, it was a great cliffhanger. Yeah. I was just, I was just surprised that they didn't do the typical thing you see on TV where they give you a three second tease of <laughs> something and kind of like the way the first season ended where we, where we heard Pike's name, we see the enterprise and suddenly Oh my God, they cut it off and it's like, wow, we really have to wait a long time for it. Um, so this was a great, if you're going to end the second season with the Enterprise and Pike and number one and Spock, I'm happy. Like you said, Spock looked through his weird binocular thing on the bridge. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, that, that, that was a great tie in. So. I was pretty uh, happy with it. Very important question from the uh, chat right now. Keith says, will there be sandwiches there? Uh, I assume he means 930 years in the future. Um, I hope so, Keith. I hope so. I hope that gets addressed in uh, season three of uh, of Discovery. We'll just have to wait. We'll have to wait a year to find out. Well, we did see number one order, what, a cheeseburger with yeah. poultry sauce or something. So mm-hmm. I guess a thousand years in the future, either they're still going to have sandwiches or remember when they used to say in the future, all we'll have is nutrient tabs. Maybe they'll just have nutrient tabs. Right. Um, well, well, in TOS, and look, you just have a few years between Pike's Enterprise and Kirk's Enterprise. Apparently they go from real food to those, uh, it was just cubes. Died with food coloring. <laughs> so I got to figure though, that was just like one of those culinary moments, wasn't it? Like when, you know, you go someplace and you order and you get like two bites of things and then some sauce kind of like spread in a squiggle. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, I think the, the, the little cubes of food is just going to be a fad. It's a phase. Okay. All right. Good. Yeah. Good. Cause I would not be down for that future. It'd so. be kind of terrible. Hey, JD, yeah. anything else on your mind tonight, sir? Um, you know what? It was really nice to see 
I like the relationship between Spock and Burnham. Um, I thought it was a great primer for the relationship with McCoy. He's going to have with the banter back and forth. Um, I, uh, I like seeing Sarek's family all together. The one thing that I really wish they'd done, <clears throat> and I kept wishing for it and wishing for it, was some reference to Cybok. Um, nobody, <laughs> nobody ever mentioned it. Okay, maybe Michael Burnham didn't know about him. Maybe Spock didn't really remember him. But I don't know. I just wanted somebody to mention Cybok because I'm the guy. I'm the guy that likes Star Trek V. Um, I'm the fan that likes it. So <clears throat> Star Trek five, honestly, I've watched, I've probably watched since we finished watching the movies, I have probably watched Star Trek five as many times as I've watched Wrath of Khan. I watch Wrath of Khan every Ooh. Christmas. And I think I've probably watched Star Trek five at least two or three times since then. It's a, it's, it's got depth. It's got surprising depth. I said, oh, so we're the guys then. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Here's the thing. I don't know. I don't quite know that I would call myself a fan. There, there's some absolutely amazing stuff that they do there, both visually and as far as like, you know, making you think about bigger ideas. Uh, that's and they great. Had a unicorn in the desert. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of terrible stuff that happens in Star Trek five. That's <laughs> the that really thing. Good. It's like, it really it's is, both. It's, it's, it's Dickensian. He was such a cool character, especially because, you know, in this show, they've got the logic extremists on Vulcan. Well, he was exactly the opposite. Um, so it would have been an interesting contrast just to mention that he was out there and he had a movement fighting against the logic extremists or something. But, eh, say la vie. There are there. There's so much other Star Trek coming. I think maybe um, the the sort of uh, pretend self help talk show with Cybok. Maybe that's something that we could pitch to uh, CBS at some point. Ooh, <laughs> nice. All right, JD. Thank you so much for calling us in, uh, calling us tonight. And uh, we have oh, I, it's so great to see the special guest uh, calling in again. We get to welcome the Vice Admiral. Uh, there, there he is. Are you there? I am here, gentlemen. How are you? There he is. There he is. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you both? Very well. Very well. What's uh, what's in the glass tonight? Tonight, it is simply uh, two gingers and an Irish whiskey. All right. Very A good. simple and inexpensive one. <laughs> very call. nice. I like it. So Nice. Yeah. What's, uh, what's up tonight? What's on your mind? So tell me, Control, worst Star Trek villain ever? <laughs> or worst Star Trek villain ever? <laughs> Okay. Pretty bad. Pretty bad, honestly. As I mean, as far as artificial intelligences go, see, that's how little I respect it. I'm not even calling it manufactured intelligence. Mm -hmm. I will call that one artificial intelligence. Uh, Mass-produced uh, intelligence in his case, maybe. Yeah, it's hard to say. Really yeah. just terrible. I mean, because here's what I don't understand. So, well, whatever. We can no, do no, this there's so much. No, honestly, we can do this all night. <laughs> exactly. So, so he is nanocytes and he knows he's nanocytes and he knows that he, like when he went scampering across the floor at Burnham, right? Right. He knows he can do that. So when he gets a crack this big in that window, it's Why time to stop hitting it? that window. Right. It's time to stop hitting that window and start pouring yourself through it. <laughs> really messing up. Um, and then the fact that he killed everybody else. See, this is one of those things. Thousands of people that were Section right. 31 there, throughout that fleet of theirs. Exactly. What I would love is if there had been some time, like maybe – while Giorgio is in the background magnetizing the floor, right? Somebody can be standing on the other side of the glass, like while he's hitting it, maybe give us like a two minute conversation as to why. 
Yeah. Why does he want to kill the villain speech? Where was the villain speech? The villain speech or or like the possibility of like a philosophical something or other or anything as opposed to just, yeah, he's, he's, he's like a Terminator in in space. Yeah, exactly. And Giorgio had already removed the data. How come if she could remove the data from one part of discovery and put it in another, she couldn't have just stuck it in the suit like they originally planned and sent, sent it without discovery. Uh, Oh, wait, Oh wait, no season three then, but yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I got no answer for that one, honestly. I, yeah, I think Control are, had no redeeming qualities, I don't think, of any kind. I, I think these are some things we'll probably get into next oh, week yeah. as well, uh, because this was kind of a big note that I had about the season and about the finale. Uh, for all the things that I like, the, there, there are these sort of big questions right at the core of the plot <laughs> that, that, you know, uh, just... I would I would want to give it another pass. The season two overall plot does not bear close scrutiny, I don't believe, although it was entertaining. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There, there's so much that I liked about it. And uh, kind of like I said last week, watching the finale and watching the finale with uh, with its first part back to back a couple of times. Uh, I enjoyed it more the more I watched it. I enjoyed the details more because I sort of knew where the story was going. And and it, there is some truth to that idea. Once you know the spoilers, then you're not trying to second guess it. You're, you're not trying to play that game with the show uh, as you watch it. You're just sort of along for the ride. And, um, and I, I felt like the moments that I liked, I got more out of. Sure. And there was a lot, a lot of emotional beats, a lot of emotional uh, resonance to this two-parter, no doubt. Yeah. But I think beyond that, that the majority of the plot, majority of the story just played second fiddle to uh, the effects and moving the story forward towards season three. I'm I'm not sure it paid off all that well. Yeah. Well, and I have to wonder, oh, go ahead, Ken. Well, no, no, go ahead. Finish your thought. I have a question about uh, the two parts, but, but finish what you were saying. Well, I, say, I wonder if it's a trickier thing here where you're trying to build out the entire season and you have to go, okay, well, from episode one to episode 14, we've got to lay the groundwork for control and the sphere data and how the Red Angel ties into that. What if you picked any of those single elements? Because, again, when we introduce control and we introduce the problem there, I like the idea because in my head it was Kirk talking down the evil computer again. Oh, the idea and, was one. You know, yeah, yeah, and I, and I only needed so much justification for, say, Landrew or the M. <laughs> but, but that's contained in a 50-minute episode, not across 14 episodes, or, or in this case, by the time we got to control, about seven episodes. So when everything hinges on that for an entire series, they think, well, it's a little harder for, to forgive the weaknesses that might be inherent in telling that story. Oh, yeah. Question I had for you really quickly, because I actually have not watched the two back to back. I watched last week a few times for last week. I've watched this week a few times for this week. Um, I did have a debate with somebody, though. Should it have been just like a bigger movie, especially because there was so much goodbye in part one that it, that it almost felt like they were trying to stretch it to make the full hour so that they could get, you know, get us to the end right. of it so that we could have the second hour. Should it have been an hour and a half movie or, you know, a made for TV movie? Obviously not a movie. I'm not saying drive everybody to the cinema like generations. No, I'm saying I think it might have worked better. I mean, it had the same director for both episodes, right? So I, I don't yeah, know. I didn't. Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah. Okay. So so in that case, you know, if you watch them back to back, which I didn't quite do, but I watched I watched them one day apart. 
Um, it does feel pretty much like the same tonal thing, except that it ramps up really heavy when every ship there is suddenly has 10,000 children. But (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Yeah. See that that's the stylistic thing that, that to me, it was like a very anime sort of stuff that I don't love. It's like, here's the big ship. Here's the other big ship. Now there's a million ships. And you know, it's like, it was a very anime escalation, right? Oh, I've got this much power. No, I've got this much power. Right. Uh, right. 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 Yeah. And, and honestly, Leland even says that. Yeah. I'm hearing everybody say all of this about the about the space battles. I like them. Oh, I'm, I'm, not, not, I'm not usually Oh, okay. Because I'm not usually the space battle guy, but I was um yeah, the 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 Maybe it was because we got to see the Enterprise at weird angles and we, and we got much closer to this Enterprise. I want to say probably than we ever got to the original Enterprise, unless, you know, until you get to the motion picture, which I'm pretty sure we're still flying around at some point. Um, it was a beautiful ship, I thought, and seeing it actually oh, be in action yes. and that moment. I know I talked about it before, but that moment when, you know, when Pike realized that they weren't trying to destroy Discovery, they were just trying to, you know, uh, knock out its shields. And so when he positions the Enterprise between uh, that fleet and Discovery, it's it, seeing that movement, seeing that actually happen. Oh, yeah. And then a couple of the weird angles that we got off the Enterprise as well. Maybe I was kind of like people in the motion picture who just like who were so stricken with being able to see this thing, you know, so beautifully that it, it didn't bother them that it took 15 minutes to fly around the ship. I, I might be kind of the same way on the space stuff in this episode, because even if you don't like that much, you know, shoot them up, bang, bang, it was all so pretty. I mean, it really was, it was, it was yeah. probably as pretty as anything that we've gotten off of star Trek, save maybe some of the motion pictures. Yeah. The only thing I'll say there is that with Trek and with this, uh, this battle was gorgeous, no doubt about it. And it, it, and I have caught up with Orville, Ken, so I won't mention the other battle that uh, was a little bit similar, but you know what I mean? Yeah. But um, at the end of the day, no space battle will ever look like this. We know that it's TV, it's Trek, it's, it's artistic license to try to keep all the characters and elements right. together because real space battles, two ships won't even see each other, but yeah. It was pretty. It was definitely pretty this week. By the way, since we're talking about stylistic uh, choices, I think it's Zach here in the chat who says, I did love the time travel sequence. Great effects, great mood, loved it all around. And uh, for sure, I, I thought that was very artistic. And um, two-dimensional plane sort of aspect of the wormholes that, uh, yeah, yeah, that was great. That was really nice. Uh, I, I thought it was beautiful. Yeah. A little bit of yeah. 2001 vibe in there, too. I was yeah. going to, that's actually in my notes. There was a little bit of 2001 with the, um, when she first goes in and all yep. the sort of like, uh, it turns out they're, they're sort of sparks hitting her, but it felt like full when, of stars, uh, full of stars. when exactly when Dave first goes through and, uh, and, uh, yeah. has all of space time flying at him, sort of like the movie of the week, but you know, cooler. And then that, yeah, when, when she actually first goes through the hole and then we see it sort of flipped around and skewed, mm-hmm. that was, yeah. Like you can that, see it from the back. Like you can see, it's like backstage of the universe. Right. Exactly. Right. Almost as if she's through the looking glass. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, by several, always, always a pleasure. We got a few more people. Yep, you got more to go. I understand that. Guys, and, I'll try to get uh, back to the review. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, please call in whenever you know where to find us. Always good to see you guys. Have a great All night. Right. Take care, man. Until next time. Yep. Uh, by the way, uh, before we go to our next caller, Earl says, if all of these events have been stricken from the record, how does the Enterprise's Carfax explain the massive repair job to the saucer? 
You know what I actually the, the joke that I wanted to do was it's really neat to see how that little middle part was taken out of the Enterprise. <laughs> right. That's, yes. Uh-huh. That's a Millennium that's, Falcon joke for all you people. Yeah. That's yeah. good. Six six nine nine hundred six eight three three is the phone number to call. Six six nine nine hundred six eight three three, or you can use the one tap from your smartphone, or uh, go to the Facebook page, facebook dot com slash mission log pod, and uh, there's a thing there where you can just click on it, and and you'll be on with us. Yeah. Hey, uh, not unlike David, uh, who is on with us right now, we get to kick it over to David and say hello. Uh, first time caller, I believe. I just wanted to point out, I know it's about the final episode of Discovery. This kind of ties into it. I mean, obviously, our next thing is going to be the Picard show, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll just point out, I get, want to get your guys' take on this. Um, isn't Picard one of the few people who knows about Discovery and Michael Burnham? Because he has had the mind meld with Sarek. Uh-huh. Is that what you're thinking? So what I'm trying to find out is, is there going to be some sort of tie-in? I'm trying to i have started to think about that, but I'll just get your guys' take on that. Huh. Like, it, this is a weird place for Star Trek to be, because like the late 90s, the mid to late 90s, where you had the same teams producing three different Star Trek series uh, overlapping. Uh, fourth, if you count Enterprise, because they obviously did some tie-ins there as well. Um, that They can at least drop little references sort of cleanly throughout those other series. So I, I wonder if they would do that at all, just as a kind of throwing the audience a bone. I certainly hope not. I mean, if, from articles that I read earlier this week with um, Michelle Paradise and Alex Kurtzman, they seem to really be like, part of the whole thing of sending them 950 years in the future is being able to tell their own stories. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, look, Picard is throwing a bone to Star Trek fans. I don't think you need Picard to mention Michael Burnham or to give some kind of knowing look about discovery or something like that, because anything Picard says, we're going to be thinking about everything that happened in any of the movies or anything that happened in uh, TNG. Um, Additionally, I don't, I, I honestly think, well, I don't know. I'm guessing it seems to me whether they feel like they made a mistake by going back to the original timeline or whether they just want to be free of it. I don't think the people who are producing it at this point are really interested in muddying the waters anymore, if that makes sense. So, I mean, it could happen, I guess, but I think it would just, maybe I'm saying I don't think it's going to happen because I really don't want it to happen because I really don't want that to happen. Uh, It's not necessary. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There should be enough to do in the Picard series without talking about somebody who, you know, left our time a hundred years ago and won't actually turn up for another 850 years. Right. So. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, cool. Hey, David, thank you for calling in. We'll uh, we'll try to work out the, the mic thing for next time so uh, we can hear your mellifluous tones uh, throughout. But till next time, my friend. Mm-hmm. All right. And uh, it looks like patiently standing by. We've got Daniel up next. Daniel, how's it going tonight? Hey, how's it going? Very um, good. Long time no see. Saw you guys in Las Vegas this year and a couple of years ago. And and here I am now, finally on your show. I listen to you uh, pretty much weekly while I'm delivering the mail on the podcast. All right. Um, right. Often to get here. So I'm glad to be on. Finally. Very, very cool. cool. Well, thank you very much for doing it. What's on your mind tonight? Well, I mean, first of all, I, I'm not the type that really comes into any sort of Star Trek with a critical 
I. I'm always looking to just enjoy it the way it is and whatever it is. And Discovery has been awesome to me. Um, from meeting the cast in Las Vegas and getting to know the people the way they are in real and just the way the show itself has been, to me, awesome the last two years. Um, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun exploring Star Trek for the first time with my wife, um, who who I had introduced her to Star Trek and we had watched it all. And now we're actually getting to watch a show together um, that's fresh to us and not just reruns that I've seen before. Um, so that's been a lot of fun. Um, and then I just kind of had a thought on Discovery itself. You know, we're going 900 years into the future. So first of all, what we know is that our starship's about 900 years out of tech date. <laughs> It'll be an antique, basically, in, in wherever time frame it is, which makes me kind of wonder what they're going to do with it. And I'm wondering if Starfleet will even exist because it's so far in the future. Starfleet might have become something completely different. And is this going to be a Voyager, you know, where they're searching around trying to figure out to get back home? Are they going to be integrating into an existing Starfleet that's, you know, a thousand years advanced? Or are they just going to be trying to find their way exploring a totally different timeline of human existence and looking back at, okay, how did we get to the point we are now here? And is there something we need to do to fix that? Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> now, I, I've got, uh, I, I don't know that I would necessarily speculate uh, for myself. I, I don't know that I necessarily have a, a strong desire about the way I want that show to go. Um, maybe they're trying to get back to their own time. Maybe that means abandoning discovery. Um, I also am wondering since they were headed for Terralisium, Remember, Terralisium has had 950 years or 930 years to play with that futuristic power source that Pike right. left behind. And uh, the presence of Pike and Burnham changed their history uh, by saying, oh, yeah, that stuff that's in space, that's for real. We're actually people and we know where you came from. So there's nearly a thousand years of development of what has happened there. So there's a whole thing to explore there. And, um, yeah, is there a, uh, is there a Starfleet or Starfleet equivalent at that point? I, I, I don't know. And, and has the time crystal burned out? There's so many good questions going into, uh, going into season three. I don't know. To see that they won't be confined by, um, having to design their own show within canon. They can take the canon that's already there and grounded and probably try to figure out what that canon is because most of what we know is canon. They have no idea happened. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting to see, you know, you know, do they run into the Triskelion planet a thousand years later or do they run into, you know, whatever, you right. know, and it'll be really, I, I'm thrilled. I'm excited to see where it goes and I'm excited to uh, continue listening to your podcast and hear the discussion and hopefully get in there uh, a little more often. Um, and there was something else I, I wanted to say, but I'm trying to remember what it was. It was uh, it was a poll idea, but now I've seen to have lost it. So there you well, go. Shoot, shoot us an email. We'll we'll uh, we'll get it in there if we can. All right. All right. Well, I'll let you get on. You got a good group of people tonight, and I don't want to hog up the time. So it's good to see you guys again. And yeah, we're we going to see you in Vegas again this year. Probably not this year. 
I'm okay. trying to well, save up for a cruise one time. You know, I want to nice. do that one too. But, nice. Uh, but we'll run into you somewhere, I'm sure. Excellent. All right. Well, have, have a great day. night. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks a lot. Bye. Six six nine nine hundred six eight three three is the phone number to call. Six six nine nine hundred six eight three three, or you can use the one tap from your smartphone, or uh, go to the Facebook page and join us there. This is what Holly has done. I don't know which one of those she's done, but I know she has done something uh, that's bringing us uh, to Holly and Holly to us. And hey, Holly, <laughs> what's up, Holly? What's on your mind tonight? I can't wait. Oh. You have to say something because we can't see it otherwise. Can you see? Can you see me now? There we yes. go. Yes, we can. Okay. Um, I just wanted to call in and see um, if you guys had thoughts on the. Uh, they left it open with not having a captain on Discovery and Saru saying there's things to think about and consider, and you know we'll worry about that later. Essentially, and if you guys had any ideas on what you think they're going to do, I have one thought, but I don't know. You know, again, it's just guessing. I, I want to know your thought. Yeah. yeah. I'm, wondering, I'm wondering if they're going to do Dr. Burnham. Oh, could they find... Okay, can they if find... If they Dr. end up meeting up back with her. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. She's already got experience where they are, or in theory where they're going, if they land where they think they're going to, because who knows. Right. Um, she's been there. And even if she's not a captain, you know, they're going to be in one of those situations of some of the rules have to bend you know uh-huh. see i gotta say this is not this is a game that i've played a couple of times already and i'm really trying not to i want to put myself in like where john is with this of just not trying to play the home game because <laughs> i think john is not trying to play the home game and the problem that i have is i can't not but i want to try to like because yeah. you asked that question i think well it's obviously got to be saru because he would be next in command but then well but they all followed michael burnham seriously 950 years in the future so they're going to look more to her and then what kind of future are they going to and is there any, any point in a power structure and maybe they should just ground discovery and you know it's like like I, I can't wait to see what what future we end up in i I worry that it's going to be horribly dystopian and it's going to be another season of them running for their lives. I understand that there are some people who think, well, if it's utopian, then what's the point of their being there? And that might actually be an interesting thing as well. I mean, it goes to like um, Edison and beyond, right? Like everything's fine now, but he's a warrior. And so he doesn't know how to deal in a world where everything's fine. Maybe Discovery lands in a place that's so great they have no idea what their place in it is. That would be kind of an interesting thing to see, but I don't, I, the captaincy, that's, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, I hope it's Saru because I think he's earned it, but he he did a great job as captain during that battle. I mean, just that that moment of him uh, turning on the view screen he faces Leland and, you know, by order of Starfleet, blah, 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 I order you to stand down. No compromises, no deal. Like, it was a great moment. It was a really strong Saru moment. Um, now, we are getting some very interesting uh, uh, suggestions here in the chat. Uh, there is a call for a twister competition for the captaincy. Um, <laughs> there is a call for uh, Captain Saru or I will cut someone with Serana's knife. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. There is a call for Linus for captain, um, which I think would be uh, an interesting call. Uh, Brett says, do they have a dolphin officer? We could have Captain Flipper. 
So look, there's just, you know, there's no shortage of great ideas here for I, her. I'll be honest. I kind of like the idea of Captain Jet Reno in that I think she's got a level head on her shoulders. Yeah. Um, the problem is she says everything in such a sardonic way that I think people would be like, yeah, good one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, you meant. Okay. Sorry about that. Yeah. And so, so she might not be the best. She'd be a great second in command though, or first yeah. in command. She'd be a good number one, maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's not number one, but she could be their number one. Well, yes. She, yeah. Right. She's not number one. No, because they already have one of those, assuming we ever get to see that number one again. Hey, Holly, is there anything else on your mind tonight? No, that was it. I just wondered what you guys thought, you know, that might, it, assuming again, they go the 950, like they're saying, and, and her mom is there. And just, that was just kind of one of my thoughts that came across my mind. It's an interesting idea. I, I forgot about the part about them going to Terra Elysium, actually. That's, that, that to me will be really exciting. Like if we don't do anything but hang out with them for a couple of episodes, finding out how they evolved uh, could be a really interesting thing. Yeah. 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 Holly, thank you. thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you very much. And please give us a call again sometime. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, 669-900-6833 is the phone number to call. 669-900-6833. We have, I want to say, William coming up in just a moment. Uh, before we do that, though, I want to remind you about something that's going on after this show, about 30 minutes after. Actually, you can get together with the people from Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Each Tuesday at 11.30 Eastern, 8.30 Pacific, Elijah, Kenna, and Anthony get together, although I think they're down one Kenna this week, but they do have a guest host in. So Elijah, Kenna, and Anthony normally get together to bring you news from all over the Star Trek multiverse, which they will still be doing tonight. That's TV and movie news. It's gaming news, literary reviews. They definitely will be talking Discovery. So if you haven't had enough Star Trek, and who the heck has... Uh, Go grab a snack and then come back to Facebook, facebook.com slash Priority One Podcast, and check out the live recording of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, uh, right here, wherever you happen to be when it starts. So I think, I think we have William on the line. We'll find out because Earl said, uh, hey, remember how last week uh, Darren turned out to be Karen and uh, it was sort of like a Freaky Friday thing. We don't know who's who, who's inhabiting which body. So we'll find out. We'll just go to that line and we'll ask, is this William? And then the voice on the other end will say, I am not William. My name is Michael. Michael, we were so close. We were so close. (laughs) They almost How are you doing, gentlemen? Yeah. How's it going tonight? Uh, not too bad. Hey, this is uh, Michael Morrison. Um, I, so I want to start off, uh, if you don't mind, uh, last season at the end, um, I sent you a video and you responded to me. Uh, I, I kind of started talking about how I was in support of the Klingon genocide and I got a reaction. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I would, I feel I was maybe a little bit misunderstood. So I want to take this opportunity to say, uh, I was not arguing for genocide. I was arguing for, um, the writers of Star Trek arguing for genocide and pushing us there and then pulling the rug out from under us and then making a deus ex, whatever the heck you want to call it. Um, (laughs) and I think they did the same thing this season. They set up an impossible situation and then resolved it in an impossible way. And then now we don't know what to expect. 
I don't know what you guys thought. Hmm. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I know what you're talking about as far as last year and sorry for my reaction. Um, kind of, um, nope, it, I understood. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing is, you're right. They set up impossible situations and then miraculously get you out of them. Okay. That's one way to go. Another way is just to tell a good morality tale. I mean, and that's fine. If that's what you want to do, that's great. But I mean, there are so many questions and I understand the creative team now is not the same creative team that started this, but the problem was there was nothing that happened in the second half of the season that I actually trusted. And it turns out by the time we got to the end, I should have trusted everything that happened, but that was coming off a season and a half of, Whoa, you didn't see that coming. And Oh, you didn't expect that, you know? So, I mean, I understand, I understand yeah. what you're saying. Um, at the same time, I mean, uh, uh, the pen is mightier than the sword. He who lives by the pen dies by the pen. I don't know exactly what to say there, except to say that, I mean, you're right. They they put themselves in some amazingly tricky situations and then got themselves out of the amazingly tricky situations. Um, maybe fewer tricks and more philosophy for me personally. That's, that's honestly, go ahead. That That's I'm sorry. Um, yeah, that's pretty much where I come off on it is I just felt like the season started, and it wasn't really starting with a way or I'm sorry, it wasn't really starting with the end in mind. I felt like they figured out the end as they went along. And there was a lot of threads. I know you picked up on in the beginning. Uh, I picked up on as well. The second episode, especially with Terra Elysium. I thought there was so many references to religion and Pike being possibly religious, which they didn't really confirm or deny, um, or at least having some sort of religious background. And I'm not a religious person myself, but I enjoyed the idea of him being religious and him interpreting these things in a more maybe metaphysical way, whereas Burnham wasn't. And I just felt like that went nowhere. And uh, the way that the series ended, I felt like none of the, or I'm sorry, the season ended. I felt like none of the, the explanations really made sense for anything that they'd set up. Like why did the seven, seven symbols appear beforehand? And then why did that disable the enterprise? And then why did they see singles or sorry, signals again? Um, you know, as they were going through, I, it, it was never really fully explained to me. It felt like it was just kind of a, like ad hoc kind of story. And then especially with this finale, I didn't quite get what was going on with, with Burnham where she's already, uh, obviously the things in the past have already happened. So why does she need to go back and do them again? I, I don't know. It didn't really make any sense to me. None of, none well, of the solutions correct, this season made sense. Correct me if I'm wrong, John. Um, yeah. This has been, there has not, I mean, I know we were only talking about two seasons, but there has not been a season yet that had uh, the same creative team from start to finish, right? They lost their showrunner, I think, before they even started producing season one. Yes. They lost, the, right. they lost the creative team halfway through season two. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, and of course, I don't think anybody went into it thinking, yeah, halfway through, we're going to have to, you know, write the ship. But I mean, hopefully what we get out of season three is one creative team start to finish. Yeah, who gets to tell whatever about that. Uh, well, I mean, fingers crossed. Because, <laughs> I mean, so far that hasn't been a thing that we've, that we've gotten to see yet. And that's not to take anything away from anybody who enjoyed this. It's not to take anything away from what actually made it to screen. But it would be interesting to see, you know, the person who says we're going that way, you know, get to the end and go, well, guys, we got here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Do, you, do you mind if I say something about my, uh, just maybe, it might be tooting my own horn, I don't know, but do you mind if I say something real quick? 
Uh, yeah, we, we got just a second. We got to hop okay. out the caller, but you go I'll right be, ahead. Yep, I'll be brief. Um, so uh, on Reddit, I don't know, four years ago, five years ago, I made a post about how I wanted a anthology series and akin uh, akin to American Horror Story, and and then I found out that Brian Fuller apparently wanted that as well, and then they nixed him, and that's why he left, or at least that's one of the reasons why he left, and then now. The other thing that I had always wanted was a massive jump to the future, uh, past TNG, past anything we'd ever known, and now that's happening. And even though I have to say the showrunners behind Discovery haven't really earned my trust at this point in terms of you know, a carefully crafted story like Breaking Bad or something, um, I'm really excited about this. And I just want to say uh, that's awesome. Cool, man. Hey, cool. Uh, you got to get an agent. You just uh, go get an agent. And, uh, hey, go get Will Wheaton said he read my post and he liked it. So hey, that's, nice. That's all I got to say. Cool. All right. Well, Michael, thank, thank you very much. I appreciate it. In. Have a good thank one. Thank you. All right. Looks like we have a video caller. We've got Daniel who is standing by. We're going to, oh, no, I'm sorry. We're going to our phone caller. We're going to our phone caller whose name escapes me. So you'll have to introduce yourself. Who is this? Hey, it's your old friend, Matthew Corey. It's our old friend, Matthew Corey. How's it going? Good. How are you guys? Good, good. It's been a while. What's up? Actually, Yo, um, really, Matthew, I, I hate to do this. We got like one minute. So, so, so. All right, I'll be quick. Yeah, please do. All right. Uh, enjoyed season two. Glad it didn't end up being a Borg origin story. I was afraid of that. Um, <laughs> as far as people are talking about a Pike series, I'm thinking maybe do a TV movie instead of a series. Uh, just a little easier. You know, you could focus on one good story instead of the whole series thing. And uh, my last question is, did either of you get like an Enterprise finale vibe since Discovery ended on the Enterprise? Mm. I, I know what you mean, because Enterprise ended with an episode that focused on the TNG cast. And that and that was a bit of a slight. But the, the big difference, though, is that that was the end of their entire series. This at yeah. least... It leaves us with that hanging thread. We know the show's coming back for a third uh, season. We wanted to see the Enterprise have it send off. So I, I don't, I, I can see where you could make that connection, but I, I don't feel it the way that I felt it with uh, the finale of Enterprise. And by the way, when you say uh, TV movies for Pike, uh, yes, I would say give us a uh, two hour uh, movies of Pike and do uh, seven of them every year. So uh, <laughs> that's what I want. So not a series, you're saying just, yeah, just not, movie, not after, movie, not after movie after movie after movie. Seven yeah. hour episodes would be. Uh, so I, I sense, Matthew, that you actually have a lot of stuff that you could say about uh, season two and then possibly going into season three as well. I'm going to ask you to give us a call back next week. And I think we're actually leaving somebody hanging. But unfortunately, we have hit the wall. Uh, Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log Live by the incomparable Earl Green. Don't compare him. He doesn't like it. Uh, be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from the Roddenberry Podcast Network, including not just Mission Log Live and Mission Log and Priority One and the Trek Files, but also Women at Warp, especially because they have that interview with Mary Chifo. Go check that out. Podcast.roddenberry.com. If you'd like to support Mission Log directly, patreon.com slash mission log is the place to do that. Thanks to everybody who joined us live or later, and we'll talk to you next week. 
podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.